welcome back to the Sideline Live podcast. You can follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at the Sideline Live. We'd love to hear from you. On episode 76, I'm delighted to be joined by Health Matters founder and the man behind one of our most popular takeovers today, John Canan. This episode was recorded before the takeover, which is still available to view over on Instagram. This episode doesn't even scratch the surface of Sean's knowledge and experience in the field. I hope you enjoy listening. Thank you. Before we get into everything, would you mind giving yourself maybe a 30 second intro for the listeners who don't know who you are? My elevator pitch. Yeah. Uh, my name's Sean Canan. I'm the owner and chief tester of Health Matters. I've been testing in Ireland for over 11 years and currently one of the most active and experienced testers in all of Europe with over 11,000 tests carried out to date. Brilliant. So I'd like to get to know the, the the guests before we go into your business. And a lot of the listeners are probably of a younger demographic, secondary school, college level. So going through school, if I could go back in time and tell you, you'd be a VO2 tester. What would you say to me? Yeah. <laughs> you caught me off guard there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'd say to you. Um, I always knew I'd be self-employed. Let's put it that way. Okay. In regards to the industry or the area that I'm working in. No, like I'm a qualified electrician, mechanical engineer. Okay. I was always involved in construction for the early stages of my life so probably now would be the answer that I didn't think I would not be hands-on so to speak and working in a construction environment and um, working within performance I was always massively in sport I've grown up in sport my family are massively into sport uncles granddad parents mother be more into sport than my dad yeah. would so it's been instilled in us from a very young age so yeah. I'm happily to be heavily involved in sport and then health and wellness is just kind of coming alongside it and then I'm a massive advocate and believer of it so mm. back then the answer is no no and how did you move from from doing uh, being an electrician to health and performance how did that work so 2009 I left Ireland to go to Australia and okay. believe it or believe it not I didn't want to work in a lift shaft okay so I was a lift engineer and I didn't want to work in the coldest part of a building <laughs> plus snakes and spiders and yeah, lift shafts in Australia not. Yeah. not too attractive so I became a personal trainer Okay. Um, so before I left Ireland, I qualified as a gym instructor, personal trainer, spin instructor and got a job in a gym in Australia. And okay, brilliant. That led to here. Brilliant. And you, that's, this is where you found the VO2 testing in Australia, was it? Yeah. So in the Cove gym in Perth, one of the personal trainers that was in the gym who just rented space had the equipment and put all, I started to put my clients through him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was blown away with the equipment and the results that we were getting that I started to work directly with him and then took the idea on board and when I left Australia I travelled for probably about another six or seven months through Southeast Asia okay. and then came back December 10th 2010 oh, so go. just gone yeah. um, and set the company up in April 2011 and when you come back and it's April 2011 in Ireland how much VO2 testing is there? None None. Um, so why the company and I believe was so, su- so successful or what led it on a path to being successful was that you can only get these tests done, or you could only get the tests done in hospitals and universities that are very okay. time-consuming and expensive cost. Mm-hmm. We went in much lower, made it much more applicable, and still to this day I get emails asking, is this just for athletes, okay. or can anybody do it? Mm-hmm. And like I've promoted it for the best part of 11 years, yeah. and it's, um, it's still unknown that people can access it. Wow. And how do you grow the business from when there's is it like basically no market to now you've done over 11,000 steps or ha- 11,000 te- uh, tests? Hard work, dedication. Yeah. Um, for a lot of the younger people that friends of mine now that I'd nearly act as a mentor to them. Okay. Like the dedication, I think, to some of the things that I used to do. So off air, I was explaining to you that we used to set up in different gyms. Like I could be in Westwood Clontarf at half five in the morning to set up a stand, to stand there for two hours, to drive to West Park for lunchtime, to drive back to Westwood Leopardstown to set up a stand for six in the evening and not earn a penny. Wow. So like it was hard at the start and I'm not going to lie about it. Yeah. The, uh, when I started the company, uh, luckily enough, there was a back to work scheme. So you could avail of your, your doll, so to speak, for your first year. Then second year, you get 75%, third year, you get 50%. Okay. So that was a massive, massive, um, access or an ability for me to be able to do what I did mm-hmm. plus I had a very supportive girlfriend at the time now wife so she yeah. was working which gave me the opportunity to grow a business now when you think back to the time it was just the smack bang in the middle of the recession I don't know what made it grow hard work you know and belief I suppose mm-hmm. and when you when you grow the business I will get into everything but you recently teamed up with Movement 101 talk us through a little bit of that Foundations to 5k course uh, yeah so that was um 
that's something that I'm actually in the process of doing myself. So okay. um, not only do I believe in it on paper, I believe in it in practice as well. So Brian and Robert, look, some of the stuff they do is, is just phenomenal. And when Brian approached me with the idea of building a foundation to train or to change how you train forever, mm -hmm. not from a physiological standpoint, but from a movement perspective, mm -hmm. it, it's a no brainer. Like every single day people sit in my office and tell me they do no, no strength and conditioning, mm -hmm. get constantly injured. They never do any development of power for cycling but yet they expect them to go and move better and yeah. get less injury. So the Movement 101 program with myself, 5K Foundations, is about physiologically changing and stimulating your training through performance. That's what I look after. And then the guys at Movement 101 is all about force production, biomechanical deliverance of uh, the distributional load. And like, I've never felt stronger, ever. Wow. Like, I've never, ever feel stronger when my feet land on the ground. Wow. Now I'm currently injured, okay. not because of that, and yeah. I'm still doing the program, Okay. and I still feel the benefits of it. And it's been, wow. like I've trained, lifted weights for, for nearly 20 years, I suppose, and I remember saying to Brian at the start, the first four weeks when you're doing kind of hamstring holds just yeah. off the side of a step or doing these little movements that you do at home, I'd never experienced doms like it in my hamstrings or my glutes. Wow. And it just shows you how underactive these muscles were yeah. Even though I just assumed they were working because of the training patterns that I delivered. But S and C or mobility in performance, endurance performance, yeah. Is massively neglected. Yeah. And that's actually really interesting you were saying, like just because you were in the gym thinking you were doing like let's say traditional exercises, you had really bad doms, just changing up for four weeks doing something different. Well that was the foundations, the 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 very start of it, the activation phase. Yeah. Um yeah, it was crazy. I'll never forget my hamstrings <laughs> after the first few holes that I was doing, you know. Yeah. But some simple, simple movements, you know, the activation yeah. of glutes or pelvic rotations or pelvic tilts, like something that you just assume you could do, but yeah. very right. difficult. And not to put anyone off it, it, it was it was hard work, you know, yeah. like something that should be so straightforward mm. was very hard work. And as Brian would always say, like when you're cramping, it's just a sign of weakness or yeah. not a sign of weakness, but the muscle's not used to it. Yeah. And like cramping so often by just doing simple isolation holds or movement holds. But yeah. it's, it's it's been amazing and I can't recommend it enough. And everyone that comes into the office, anyone that talks about lacking strength or getting injured or anything like that, I, I'd straight away send them mm. on it. And what's your 5K time now? Well, I'm injured at the moment, yeah. so I've I've plantar fasciitis in both feet. Oh, sugar. Um, bad plantar fasciitis right, in both yeah. feet, so much so that I'm that I'm in agony. Oh God. Well, now I've I've stopped running. Okay. So I was given a couple of things to do, and most of them were impossible. So right. ice my feet five times a day, which I can't do. Get off my feet, which I can't do. Yeah. Or stop running, which I can do. So, yeah. unfortunately, I got into running over lockdown, and it really became a. I didn't realize how much it was an outlet for me. Okay. Like I'm not a stressed person, but I'm in constant go. I work 12 hours a day, six days a week, some days, seven days a week. Yeah. I'm a father of two young kids, you know, yeah. so although I don't consider myself stressed, there is stress there and yeah. it's the only time that I turn off. Yeah. I leave and go for a run. Nobody's with me. Yeah. I get to listen to the Primal podcast. Yeah, there and you just, go. Just sit back and relax. But like it's, it, I only realized when I stopped running how much of an out it was for me. Yeah, or okay. on a Saturday morning, I get up with my, five-year-old or six-year-old and um, he goes out on his bike with me so you'd be able to share that environment with yeah. him is great as well but yeah. look christmas day i'm going running yeah I, I, go. i've told anyone that's looking after me i'm going <laughs> running christmas day <laughs> so my little boys asked for a bike off santa so oh. a new bike with gears so he'll yeah. be able to beat me on this one yeah there you go and out of interest how do you manage your time between you know you <laughs> mentioned a really busy personal life and professional life how do i manage it I, Just like, not that it, i don't manage it but I have to manage it, yeah. you know, um, the workload and pressure is very, very high, but I'm happy. Mm -hmm. I can deal with it. Um, I work best when I'm active. I don't sit at home and take days off. Yeah. And, like Watch it, it's something No, it's something that I'd never do. Okay. And that doesn't bother me. Yeah. You know, in the slightest, like I have to do things. If I'm on a day off and I'm not physically dressed yeah. in Health Matters work gear, that's a day off. Wow, yeah. You know, so I go up to the office, answer emails, do calls, train. Yeah maybe pick the kids up from school, be home earlier, yeah. that type of thing. But I've no problem actively working on my day off in regards to getting stuff done. Mm -hmm. Like if if I get a list or write a list of things to get done, that list gets done. Yeah. Brilliant. That's it. That's an achievement. Now, Christmas, I'll turn off. Like shut for two weeks, like completely closed down. And it's probably one of the only times that I don't think about work. Now, emails will come in yeah. and I will answer them. That That's no problem at all. Yeah. But it will be one of the 
times that I completely turn off. You know, even okay. if I'm away, like we will go on a summer holiday. Yeah. The companies will run when I'm away and I've no problem liaising with the girls or Keelan or whoever's working for me at that point to yeah. get to get work done when I'm away. Okay. And what do you ti- what do you think of the phrase uh, do what you love and you never work a day in your life? Yeah, 100%. Do you like agree absolutely. With that? Like people still talk about how passionate I get about work and not every day, but most days I get asked, do you not get bored of what you do? And I said, no, because everybody's body that's in front of me is different. How they take on what I say, how they apply the data is different and the success that people get. Over the last week, I don't know if you've seen the testimonials that have come in on Instagram, like cha- like I can change lives. And I got a lovely message over sar- on Saturday of a girl who I worked with who probably one of my earlier nutritional therapy clients, no cycle, six and a half stone, massive digestive issues. She's now nine and a half stone and pregnant. Brilliant. You know, and she was like, you're a miracle worker. So it, things like that is, is great, but success that people get when they apply the data. I never, ever get bored of what I do. And yeah. I don't think I ever will. I don't think I can. Brilliant. Fantastic. Hopefully so I don't. Yeah, definitely not. Right. So what is VO2 testing? Performance testing. So VO2 stands for volume of oxygen and it's measured in milliliters of oxygen per kiloweight of body mass. Okay. So it's specific to a presenting client at that moment in time and is used as a marker or as a parameter of their current fitness levels. Okay. So it's gold standard measurement. So, and you, you were, I was listening to your podcast before, but it's a more accurate method to, let's say, the bleep test because the bleep test, bleep test is giving you a calculated formula of your VO2, but it's not actually connected to your lungs. Yeah, so it's a predictor. Yeah. Now, bleep tests are great in the environment that they're used for, but mm-hmm. if you're looking for a more specific and measurable number that is specific to you and that can change consistently with the growth and application of the correct training, it, it, it is what you want to use. But I think where people get most lost with VO2 is that they think it's just that. Okay. But within a VO2 test, you get a VO2 max. We'll look at heart rate elevation. We'll look at heart rate recovery. We'll look at training zones. We'll look at thresholds, caloric expenditure, fueling type, ventilation, breathing patterns, oxygen usage. Yeah. So there's so much more. In it. And like, I hear it. Why do I do a VO2 test? It's only a number. That's fine. That's from someone that has no clue as what a VO2 test is. Okay. Like VO2 testing contains a lot of parameters for performance. Okay. And for an athlete... If I, like, I'm an athlete, let's say, so why do I need a VO2 test? What, what's the most beneficial part of it for me? Need could be a strong word. Okay. Want, maybe. If, if you're serious about getting better at what you do, you need to get measuring units that can, like, so what gets measured gets managed. Okay. So we can see if you're undertraining, overtraining, if you need more aerobic conditioning, more anaerobic conditioning, what your breeding patterns like, where your fueling sources are, are you taking enough calories in? There's so many benefits from testing because we get a snapshot of where you currently are okay you can't just assume everybody's the same because you're on a team that you all have the same attributes to performance it doesn't work like that so it's a full physiological breakdown of you okay and what you need to do to get better okay and how do you balance like after let's say i get a test done and i want to like in terms of the heart rate i was chatting to a um, a guest before and he was he played afl in australia and the way they did their conditioning was they grouped them by their heart rate. So I think they had a polar strap on. So he was in a certain group. And then he, as he got fitter, he was in a lower group because of his heart rate. But at the same time, there were still lads that were in three groups ahead of him. How does the heart rate vary between people in terms of their fitness? I would imagine, and this is just yeah. on the spot guessing what, yeah. what this is. It's probably about aerobic and anaerobic conditioning. So okay. depending on where how efficient he is aerobically. So okay. If the bigger the aerobic capacity, the fitter he's going to be in order to be able to perform. Yeah. So he's not entering that anaerobic negative state where he's going to be producing a lot of negative byproduct and he's, it's unsustainable. Okay. So the fitter he may become, he may be his heart rate or where he stays aerobic, so to speak, okay. is at a higher level. Yeah. So then they can keep them together. And that's a really great thing to hear. Yeah. Because a lot of times everybody just gets brandished with the one stick. Yeah. And this is the problem with club sports and I, I fully understand that the coaches don't have the time yeah. with them to individually train them so they just slam them train yeah. them all hard which can be overstimulating and understimulating for for various different players so mm-hmm. grouping them in terms of maybe aerobic capacity or potential linking in the vo2 and then conditioning them as they need to based on their data yes yeah. it sounds brilliant you know yeah it makes sense to me and uh, so i probably should have asked what is anaerobic and aerobic so aerobic and anaerobic are two energy systems okay. we all have them and depending on the intensity of the activity will determine which one we enter okay so aerobic means with oxygen anaerobic yeah. means without aerobic we're efficient anaerobic we're not okay aerobic more endurance long distance based anaerobic shorter stuff 
So although a field sport would be traditionally entering a lot of anaerobic, if we can delay the onset of anaerobic to aerobic conditioning to grow aerobic capacity, you're going to be efficient for longer. So you're going to be able to perform at a higher rate for a longer period of time than entering this negative phase. Now, a lot of times when you get field sports athletes in, they're very anaerobically conditioned. It doesn't mean it's the right thing, though. Yeah. Because they're still working at a disadvantage because they're inefficient. Yeah. So we want to grow the aerobic capacity and the aerobic base of a field sport athlete to prevent them entering this anaerobic state. Okay. So then they can perform at a higher rate for longer than their opponents. Yeah. So they mightn't break down until the 60, 70 minute, whatever it may be, whatever sport it is. Yeah. If we can prolong that, it, you're going to make them more efficient. Okay, that's really interesting because that's something I've noticed since going into coaching. Obviously, everyone is different. And even as a player, sometimes when you're with a coach or with a team, the way they do the conditioning might not might not necessarily agree with it but how if there's any coaches listening to have a team how do you balance getting that aerobic uh, capacity w- among you know maybe 20 athletes i know that's very difficult to do though you have to ask them to take a lot of responsibility themselves okay so we are going to be working with a club in january mm-hmm. 31 players signed up for test in early january and we're going to revisit them three times in the year okay the coach is going to apply what we ask them to apply from an anaerobic state in terms of the shuttle runs or whatever it may be when he has them yeah but he's also encouraging them to get heart rate monitor he's also encouraging them to take the bull by the horns themselves and say look if you want to be he's just taken over this club and he really wants them players to impress and say look we need to have fit ballers that can continue to perform at the highest level yeah and there is personal responsibility from a team sport where you have to go okay i need to go and do maybe some aerobic conditioning over the next six or eight weeks build a foundation now and a lot will, uh, it becomes a lot easier in the latter part of the season rather than just downing tools yeah. and saying alright we'll come back pre-season yeah. unfit and get slammed it, it doesn't work a lot more injuries yeah. you know and everybody or a lot of people can get take a lot longer to get going yeah absolutely with the heart rate monitors do you think um, they are obviously beneficial but do you think we've nearly gone nearly too overboard like I have my whoop and I'm busy looking at my heart rate sure I don't even know what it means half the time that's what I was going to say so people get straps and watches yeah. but don't know what they mean yeah. Uh, the big, I think the biggest mistake, or not mistake, but people buy into this concept, 220 minus your age, or use generic formulas. Yeah. They don't work. And then, ev- like a lot of times, well, it's probably good for me in, the, in one sense because people are like, I'm always in the red zone. I need to get my heart tested. Yeah. So don't lean too much on the predicted values. Yeah. That's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, people come in and say, I'm always in the red zone. Then we actually test them, and their red zone is green zone. Mm-hmm. So um, we have become a bit reliant on them, but I feel if you use them, but don't have any physiological testing. Okay. It doesn't really provide you with too much other than data. Yeah. That's yeah. all it is. Mm-hmm. But if the data isn't being utilized because you know specifically that this is stimulating a certain response. Yeah. It's pointless. Sorry, pointless might be the wrong word. Like, you But it's l- just not very accurate. Predicted zones aren't very active. Yeah. Uh, um, accurate, no. Mm-hmm. And what is red zone, green zone for people who don't know what they are? <sighs> I was about to say, where did it come from? <laughs> I don't know. Um, they are, so generally people work with colour coding zones. Okay. So I work with a four zone system. Blue would be active recovery, warm up or cool down. Okay. Green would be where we do our endurance work. Yellow would be tempo and red would be interval. Mm-hmm. So blue and green are aerobic, yellow and red are anaerobic. So if we can look at your colour coding system, we can see where the majority of your training is getting done. Okay. Now the issue with this is people again go oh no matter what run i do i do i'm in the red zone but yeah. red zone is predicted using 220 minus your age and then multiplying by a certain percent and once you get your heart rate into that zone okay it says you're in red zone okay red zone is traditionally high-end anaerobic realistically red zone is unattainable like for long long periods of time if people tell you you're in the red zone for two hours so yeah. absolutely no way <laughs> it's not going to happen yeah you, you're not going to be able to manage it accordingly you know yeah okay that makes more sense now because you hear people going kind of bit mental with the data but you actually had a couple of people in the testing that had issues with their heart and then had to go for um kind of testing stuff afterwards yeah so last week only i, I or sorry two weeks ago i've had, i stopped two tests because of heart rate irregularities wow. so over the years um i have seen them and for a long time i had to send them to gps gps then would make referral had one girl her gp told her she was dehydrated because her heart rate was so irregular oh. and she pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and found yeah. out she needed a heart operation there wow. was some issue with her heart you know, so I now have a direct referral link to the cardiology unit in the matter private. So I can oh make wow. I can make the referrals, which is brilliant. OK, so a lot of times people just because it's their heart rate, they think it's normal. Yeah, I like got two or one of the girls last week talk about like this 
beating in her chest and this tightness in her chest but was just normal for her okay and I was like look this isn't That's normal like this yeah. complete irregularity her heart rate was jumping all over the place during testing so we, we stopped the test and she should be in this week now getting get getting the screen done wow oh my god and out of interest you mentioned at one point i couldn't have this wrong but are you working with a gp or were you working with so the gp is something from the nutritional therapy so i graduated as a nutritional therapy may last or nutritional therapist may last year okay so it's kind of a functional medicine approach to illness so okay. treating the cause rather than treating the symptom okay so there's a gp that's kind of bought into this process and use the example of heartburn like as he says if tom comes in four times complaining of heartburn yeah he has to give him a ppi or has to write him a prescription he only has 10 minutes with him yeah well what he wants to do is he wants him to come to me i spent two hours with tom figuring out why he has heartburn yeah so we're going in to treat the cause rather than the symptom Okay. So that's where the GP referral links are coming from. And I believe that nutritional therapy or the approach to treating the cause rather than the symptom will, will massively prevail as we go. You know, it's you just people are too quick to medicate without looking at what's the underlying cause, you know. So the GP would be more related to weight management, nutritional therapy, okay. looking at it from that perspective. Again, he's made lots of referrals. I had a family in last week, wow. a seven year old girl, mother and father overweight massively overweight okay and they wanted to make changes and again he was like look they went to the doctor and he said look, there's no point coming to me you need to go see somebody else yeah that knows what they're talking about so yeah very good the referrals are from the doctor for more weight management and then i haven't had any direct screenings from him where he said look is there a heart like he could make a, a, a referral yeah. to the cardiology unit if there was an issue that mm -hmm. he if the client came to him with presenting heart issue mm -hmm. that makes sense I'm always interested in kind of managing elite athletes or even normal people and change is a big thing and if people don't want to change well there's no point because if they don't come to you looking for advice they're just going to keep eating the way they are and they're just going to keep going with their no their normal lifestyle people don't want to change yeah. I know when people walk into my office they're not going to change mm -hmm. you know and it's one thing that I find hard to accept but I've accepted it in regards to you were like earlier on do I get bored of what I do or do I get sick of what I do now yeah. but I get really disappointed when I know someone walks out the door and they're not going to do what I asked them to do okay. because they're resistant to change. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard work. Hard work is putting into practice what I know will work for people. Like I'm very confident in the advice that I deliver yeah. that it will bring success. However, it will take a bit of time mm -hmm. and people are unwilling to give time to processes. They want a quick fix. If you have a 36 year old presenting in front of you it took them 36 years to get to the stage that they are yeah they want an answer in six weeks or a fix in six weeks i'm not into quick fixes it doesn't work okay we're into education long term for life-changing results with the application of what we say mm -hmm. because if people don't buy into the process it, it just doesn't work and with athletes especially my hardest job with professional athletes is to get them to slow down wow and no one wants to slow down yeah but you have to go easy to go hard. And if the easy stuff isn't done easy enough, the hard stuff can't get gone, done hard enough. Yeah. And then what the athletes start to do is when they buy into it, they start to feel like they recover better. They can put more work into the hard work. The easy stuff they look forward to, they get less injuries, they recover and they adapt better and they get much better success. Yeah. So change is hard. Change is hard to accept. So give yourself a bigger time frame and accept that it might not be what you want to do. Yeah. But if you're currently doing something that's not working, why keep doing it? Yeah, exactly. Do you think we're in a stage that people like it's nearly two ends ends of the spectrum now? It's either you're doing nothing or you're overtraining. Do you find that a lot of athletes or teams are just completely vlogging themselves? Yes, um, athletes teams more than athletes. Okay. If you can break them separately into different sports, so if we were looking at field sports athletes, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of flogging, but understandably to a degree because again the strength and conditioning coach or the fitness conditioning coach they only have a very very short period of time with them yeah what i would be loving to see happen more is that there's this onus on the player to take a bit of personal responsibility okay where they need to go and then look after themselves away from the coaches mm -hmm. now we can liaise with these coaches as to why we're doing what we're doing the players will come into their sessions fresher yeah so it, it, it's hard to manage, but it's about looking at the bigger picture. Yeah. And people still to this day assume you just go hard, hard, hard all the time. Every single day I have people in front of me that talk about, I'm just doing the same thing and I'm not getting any better. Yeah, well, that's why. Exactly. So you need to look at the differentiation between the aerobic and anaerobic, what we're trying to achieve with stimulation, growth, adaption, recovery. Mm -hmm. If you're always just pushing, 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 there is no stage for adaption. It's just going to be stimulation, which will stagnate growth. Mm -hmm. And what is metabolic testing then? So metabolic testing would have been kind of 
the start of where the company was going. So the equipment that I have from America, you've different machinery that can do different testing. I bought the upgraded option where we could do metabolic and VO2 testing. So okay. metabolic testing is a 14 minute gas analysis test, which is a 98% accurate measurement on your resting metabolic rate. Okay. So your resting metabolic rate is the calories needed to sustain life with no movement. Okay. It's done through the theory or the science fact that we know in order to burn one calorie, the human body must consume 0.8 of a milliliter of oxygen. So we look at how much oxygen you consume per kilowatt of your body, which will determine your aura more. Okay. Before we do your test, we'll ask you about your lifestyle, your activity, your exercise, and we'll get predicted values on lifestyle, activity, and exercise. Now, how your metabolic and your VO2 tests link in together, your VO2 test will give us all calorie expenditure to match heart rate. Your metabolic test will give us all calorie expenditure without exercise. Okay. So if you're looking at body weight manipulation, you're looking to gain weight, lose weight, you're looking to get a handle on energy demands. So a lot of times people are underfueled. Okay. And that's the reason their sessions are so poor as well, is they're going in, living on this concept that, that they, they can't eat, they, they shouldn't yeah. eat, they're going to consume too many calories, they're going to gain weight, but they're full-time jobs, training six times a week, yeah. young family, whatever it may be, but they come in massively under fuel and we're like, okay, we need you to bring in an extra certain amount of calories. And again, it's something that I see PBs go up. Yeah. You bring in more calories, you get more power, you get more strength, you get more force production, you recover better, you adapt, you grow. So linking the two tests in work really well. The metabolic testing can also be used for weight loss. So that's not also used, but that would be predominantly what a lot of people focus metabolic testing on. Okay. So at the end of the day, we know scientific laws, calories in versus calories out, but again, using generic formulas. So linking back in the whole concept of heart rates being generic formulas. If you use a generic formula for metabolic or for expenditure of energy just to suit your height and weight mm. and your gender, it doesn't know anything about your profile. Yeah. So body composition is going to be massive steps per day life do you have a dog do you have kids do you take the stairs instead of lift yeah. do you walk to work Wh whatever it might be if you don't know your metabolic numbers it's only guessing yeah so time and time and time again i have people in front of me that go oh i've had this i can't lose weight i'm like no you haven't yeah you're not eating that measurement yeah and the whole concept people say oh, i'm not eating enough like if you're not eating enough and you're gaining weight as I've said before, and Dan's probably heard this one, you, you've just cured world hunger. Yeah. You know, you can't not eat calories and, and, gain, and, weight. and gain weight. Yeah. So what people do is they undereat, and then when they do eat, they overeat. Okay. And they're unaware yeah. that they're picking or snacking, yeah. or they're unaware of the caloric load on simple things of sauces, oils, butters. Yeah. Again, the whole concept of bulletproof coffees that a girl nearly argue and leave the office telling me she was eating 800 calories a day. She had four bulletproof coffees a day, which are 250 calories in each. So that's yeah. 1,800 calories a day. Yeah. So you have people that come in and talk about, I'm having 13, I'm having 13, I'm having 1,300 calories. They're not, they might be a bit more. Or yeah. you have people that come in and go, I'm eating 1,700. And we go, okay, well, look, measurements based. And what we need you to do is we actually need you to have 1,600 yeah. in order to trigger. Again, it's just like a, a seesaw or a, a scales effect. Yeah. You need to be in a caloric deficit to drop weight. Mm -hmm. If you're not in a caloric deficit, you're not losing weight. Or flip it the other way around. If you're not losing weight, you're not in a caloric deficit. Yeah. You might think you're in a caloric deficit, you're but you're not. Mm -hmm. And complacency around measurement is another one. Okay. People say, oh, yeah, no, I measure. I weigh everything. Oh, sorry. I've just answered what I said was going to happen. <laughs> they say, yeah, yeah, I measure everything. I'm like, oh, so you weigh absolutely everything. No. Yeah. So how do you know your food? Oh, you know, like roughly. I read the label. So you weigh everything you eat. Nah. So like... <laughs> If people aren't losing weight but think that they're measuring right, yeah. you have to literally weigh everything if you want to buy into it. They've done studies where nutritionists have been like up to 40% off when they guesstimate their food wow. in calories. So if someone that's highly educated in the quantity and weight and quality of food yeah. is that off, someone that's just general pop in regards to not having qualifications in the area yeah. and they think oh, that's 30 grams, 60 grams, the, the, the big one is liquids, though, I think. Okay. Oil, sauces, butters, they're just unaccounted for. Okay, that's interesting. And that's really interesting what you were saying about training and weight. Like, I have a team and it's interesting they be kind of young girls and I'd be worried a little bit about, you know, these fad diets and TikTok and everyone's doing all these diets. And when you're training, you need more fuel. And it's nearly like a really big mistake for athletes is they don't fuel themselves enough and then they don't perform. Yeah, so it's it, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Or one of the ones that I've, uh, I, well, I don't love it, but it's something that people don't think about. Like if you go ketogenic, as an example, so you go really, really low carb, people think it's great, I'm going to lose weight, or they become really conscious that they need to be in this certain body composition or whatever it may be. But as a field sport athlete, as an example, if you go ketogenic, your brain is starved of glycogen, which is its fuel, and your hand-eye coordination is off. Your hand passes off. Your catching the ball ability is off. 
your even dropping the ball to your foot is off. Your decision making is off. Now, I never even thought about this concept until I met Dr. Fionn McSwiney, who'd done his whole thesis on the ketogenic effects on performance. And if you think about that, you go in underfueled, underglycolytically loaded, yeah. you're gonna perf- your performance is going to be massively down. Yeah. So I know, again, when I'd done my Instagram lives last year, I would have had Amy McGuire on, who's a nutritionist for mostly GA clubs, and she mm-hmm. always spoke about fueling 36 hours prior. So this six for 36 leading into an event or leading into a match yeah. should be carb heavy. Yeah. You should be fueling for your match day on Saturday starting on Thursday. Yeah. You know, like the Instead concept. cutting them out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like, I don't know what TikTok, I know what TikTok is, <laughs> but yeah. I haven't been on TikTok. You know, yeah. I thought TikTok was just about young girls dancing in front of a camera <laughs> at the shops, but I've yeah. been informed recently that it's actually a pretty good platform for yeah. fitness enthusiasts. So it's something that I plan or will be opening up. But the likes of body image and body composition is a massive issue where people don't relate food to performance. Yeah. And, and that's the issue with it. Mm-hmm. Or they neglect the concept that they're not eating to perform because they want to get down a certain weight, but they're yeah. not tracking or they're eating chicken fillet rolls with bags of crisps or yeah. they lose the plot Friday afternoon and don't regain it till Monday yeah. morning, which is 42% of the week. Yeah. You know, so it's just mismanagement and unawareness of what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And then the scaremongering or the, the fact that people just presume they're going to gain weight if they eat or the demonization of carbohydrate. Yeah. Like it, the industry is is crazy. Yeah. And that's really interesting what you're saying there about the, f- the Friday and the, the weekend is 42% of your week because I know a lot of people that'll be Monday to Friday clean, they'll eat whatever, like just completely clean. And then during the weekend, it'll be just pure. Use crap. the example Monday to Thursday, 500 calorie deficit, 2,000 yeah. calories down, on way to lose half a pound or lose a pound or half a kilo. Yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 700 calorie surplus. Well, tw- there you, you know, go. 2,100 is up. So you're up 100 calories at the end of the week. Yeah. So at the end of the year, you're going to be up in yeah. weight you know so mm-hmm. if you break a week down the week is only seven days long mm-hmm. you are not entitled to eat what you want for three of them yeah it's 42% so manage your input accordingly you know and mm-hmm. like I don't believe in cold turkey I don't believe in cutting anything out mm-hmm. I believe in control mm-hmm. like if you want to have a Big Mac have it Mm-hmm. As an example, I know a, f- a friend of mine, Cal McCallick, done a Big Mac challenge. So every day he had a Big Mac for a month wow. and got a six pack because it oh, was wow. managed. We yeah. He got his metabolic test done with us and we gave him his calories. And then for a month he had a Big Mac. Now I'm not promoting eating a Big yeah, Mac don't. every day. <laughs> don't do that. From a health perspective, he <laughs> yeah. was ill. Yeah. Like his digestive system was messed up. His wow. skin was messed up. He never felt as sluggish. Yeah. However, he was just proving the caloric input when managed to yeah. create a deficit could get a six pack. Yeah. You know, so he he didn't have a six pack at the start. Let's yeah. put it that way. Now, yeah. he wasn't obese, but mm-hmm. he dropped weight in order to have visible abs yeah. within the month challenge. Yeah. So calories are in everything. Mm-hmm. Manage your calories accordingly and you'll you'll get your success. Now, looking at macronutrients, balancing the macro input for everybody will differ. If you can control hormone regulation or satiety, you can get to where you want to get to, but like the benefit of having 100 grams of protein or 100 grams of carbohydrate, calorifically, they're yeah. the same. Mm-hmm. However, what they're going to do hormonally isn't. Yeah. Satiety is not going to be the same. You're not going to be able to control cravings. So you, I'm not promoting or saying, and yeah. it is sometimes simplistically, and maybe I even fall into it where people are like, yeah, it's calories in, calories out. It is calories in and calories out, but you have to be aware of the management of Mm-hmm. the likes of leptin, ghrelin, satiety. So use the example, if you constantly have too much carbohydrate, you're going to enter what I would class as a blood sugar roller coaster. Okay. You're going to promote the insulin with blood sugar spikes to too much high carbohydrate. Insulin does a great job. It reduces blood sugar. Yeah. You promote fat storage in regards to dropping that blood sugar into, this, into the cells. You'll promote brain fog, fatigue. But what it does, when the blood sugar drops too low, cortisol is released, which is a stress hormone that's okay. going to create cravings. Yeah. What are you going to crave? Carbohydrate. Yeah. So you're going to live on this sh- blood sugar roller coaster. One of the biggest things that I find works with clients is describing this roller coaster and cutting it out by prioritizing protein with all main meals and snacks. Okay. So protein is going to help balance your blood sugar significantly better. It's going to increase satiety. You're going to keep fuller for longer. You're not going to eat as much. You think clearer. There's not as much brain fog. You don't get energy crashes. It's going to help you sleep better. Yeah. So, for instance, if you find that you go to bed, fall asleep, no problem, but always wake up a couple hours later, you backtrack to the last time you ate, there's a very good chance it was high carbohydrate, highly palatable food. Okay. So look at changing the 
environment or the way you eat late in the evening, mm-hmm. have a high, higher protein mm-hmm. food or eat earlier and look at the imbalances that don't happen then. So you get a much better sleep. Okay, that's really interesting. And for people that are listening, in terms of the protein, how much would you recommend? I know it's, it's hard because everybody's different, but is there a specific measure that is not accurate, but it is helpful? It's goal orientated. Okay. Unfortunately, yeah. like you definitely want to be having 1.2 grams per kilowatt of body mass, okay. no matter what your goal. Okay. Realistically, um, like 1.2, if you're going at 1.2 to 1.5, is going to bring it up in more terms of satiety and balance and retention of muscle. If you're looking to gain muscle, you're looking at 1.8 to 2.2 mm-hmm. grams per kilowatt of body mass. But I just go down the route of starting to think of it as protein greek word of first importance you have to make sure you get it and again listen to one of the um shorter primal episodes that dan had on with own lacy last mm-hmm. week speaking about the immunity like looking at your protein as your soldiers mm-hmm. like as brilliant as, as your first line of defense you know yeah. we just don't get enough protein and most people don't get enough protein now you can also go over the other side of it where you consume way too much protein and your urine becomes very expensive mm-hmm. so protein doesn't get stored and you'll just pass a lot of it out. So just make sure and just get the balance right. But protein of, is of first importance, should be brought in with all main meals and snacks and has many, many benefits behind why we consume it. Okay, that's interesting. And I wanted to ask, um, because you are you do nutrition therapy, how much does that link in to, let's say, somebody wanting to improve the, their VO2 testing? If they were to come back, how interlinked is VO2 and nutrition? Nutritional therapy, different to nutrition, but nutrition... Okay for performance absolutely mm-hmm. so if you're under stimulating in your training due to under fueled you're not going to be getting as much benefit of performance as you could mm-hmm. so you're probably under stimulating your sessions if you go away and buy into the process of fueling enough balancing out so if you're anaerobic you're more glycolytically dependent glycolytically yeah. dependent means carbohydrate dependent mm-hmm. so if you're going into your anaerobic sessions under fueled through lack of carbohydrate mm-hmm. you bring in a higher quantity and better quality carbohydrate you're going to perform better because the energy is going to be produced at a better rate mm-hmm. you're fueled it's like trying to drive a car with no petrol it's not going to work we're going to get you fueled you're going to stimulate your training better you're going to stimulate growth and performance better and you're going to grow your profile mm-hmm. so if we buy in so it's a service that we offer on top of the vo2 okay. we offer nutrition advice okay so it's an upgraded option where we'd sit down for half an hour 40 minutes and look at the way you're eating, are you controlling your blood sugar? Are you snacking too much? Is there enough satiety in regards to this hormone regulation? Are you getting enough carbohydrate? Are you getting enough protein? What's your water like? As an example, are you dehydrated? As a result, muscles contract and expand at a lower rate. Are you more susceptible to injury and cramp? Yeah. Is that affecting your training? Okay. What's your sleep like? Mm-hmm. So again, I'm sure everybody knows this that's on Instagram and you see all the infographics at the moment, people talking about going out and buying expensive like massage guns and yeah. everything that goes with it, but sleep for four hours a night. You yeah. know, the power behind sleep is just invaluable. So mm-hmm. the whole concept of performance isn't just going and training. Yeah. It's about sleep, it's about recovery, it's about hydration, it's about nutrition mm-hmm. and looking at the bigger picture because there's so many contributing factors to performance mm-hmm. that get overlooked. Yeah. You had an, an interesting Instagram post. I don't remember the full thing, but it was about muscle and fat and everyone, it's kind of nearly cliche now. It's like, well, muscle and fat weigh the same thing. But you had a couple of interesting points about the differences. And I think one of them was even about the storage and the different sizes and the yeah, benefits so there. Uh, this is on camera. So uh, a, pound, <laughs> a pound of muscle will like fit in the palm of my hand while a pound of fat won't fit in two. Okay. So muscle weighs or will occupy less space. Okay. But if you get a kilo of feathers and a kilo of concrete and a kilo of fat and a kilo of muscle, they all weigh a kilo. Yeah. So they weigh the exact same, but they occupy less space. Mm-hmm. So this is why measurements are much more important than weight. Mm-hmm. Like your weight can fluctuate daily yeah. in regards to how much water have you had? How much carbohydrate have you had? Have you had a bowel movement for a female? What stage that in your menstrual cycle? Mm-hmm. There's so many contributing factors to it. I can, I could change my weight a couple of kilos a day. Um, it doesn't bother me yeah. in the slightest. I don't weigh myself. Yeah. Why would I weigh myself? There's no necessarily need to. What I do is I get my measurements done okay. regularly in order for body composition. Okay. So if you can have, if you find that you're getting smaller, but the scales isn't moving, is it an issue? Yeah. No, not necessarily. You're changing your body composition. You're replacing like for like. Yes. What will happen then? So if we link back to this pound of muscle burns more calories than f- the pound of fat does. Okay. So a pound of muscle will burn three times more calories in a, in a day than a pound of fat will. Okay. So if you can burn more calories, you're going to create a bigger deficit. You create a bigger deficit, then you'll drop weight. 
Mm-hmm. Post weight training, your metabolic rate will stay significantly higher than it would be if you just did cardio training. So if you're going in and adding resistance training into your workouts, it's going to be far more beneficial for you from a weight loss perspective, from a strength perfect, uh, effective perspective, from a performance perspective, from a prevention of injury perspective, everything. Like I can't stress enough the benefits behind strength training and that's going to link back to then bring in a higher quantity of protein in order for that growth of muscle so we're looking at body composition change is going to be more valuable than weight change Mm -hmm. because that i could have it wrong again but i think that relates back to a previous client you have where she was vlogging herself let's say going out for runs and stuff but when she started strength training she actually lost weight oh look sure my biggest some of my biggest success stories are female clients that don't weight train yeah and i'm not picking on females but it is an area where you would have predominantly higher males lifting weights than females and the concept oh I'm just going to go in and run or hit a cross trainer or do spinning Mm -hmm. and do absolutely no weight training now it is great to see it's changing and the advice is growing and people are being more aware of it and there is a lot more resistance training with females but still you'll have these people absolutely flogging themselves all day every day and look I still see it every day in the gym I'm in that gym 11 years there's still people that look the exact same (laughs) and all they do is cardio yeah. Now, obviously, the food is a massive issue. Yeah. But this stigma around weight training is there. Females going, I, I shouldn't be training. I'm embarrassed to train. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, of course it is there. But it's about getting direction, utilizing your gym. Most gyms will give you a free program mm-hmm. where you'll be taught how to lift weights properly. Mm-hmm. And you're not just going to be going straight in and snatching and cleaning. Yeah. You're going to go in on machine weights or maybe Smith machine, leg press, isolation exercises until you're confident to grow mm-hmm. regularly changing your program is going to coincide with measurements mm-hmm. you get your measurements done you go to your instructor okay every six or eight weeks i want to get a new program and i want to get measurements done mm-hmm. or people are afraid to put a bit of money into this if your gym doesn't offer it i'm sure there's a personal trainer that may do a session which for 25 to 40 euro yeah. to get your measurements done and write your new program invest in your health consistently stimulate your training through changing it up mm-hmm. i change my program every six to eight weeks wow, i'm qualified okay. to do my programming i don't do my own programming okay. i get somebody to do it for me yeah. so i'm accountable to them yeah and it's it's on point i get my measurements done really really regularly as well okay so it's about looking at the changes and it's all focused towards goals as well yeah like have an end goal is it a lifting goal are you getting one rep max testing done is it a body composition goal Mm -hmm. and again coming back to a logo we always use what gets measures gets managed so if you can put a parameter as an or a number on any aspect of your training Mm -hmm. if it's a weight in a lift or if it's a measurement in a certain body position if you can change that successfully over a six to eight to 12 week period because you're training you know you're on the right road yeah. rather than jumping on a scales on a monday at seven o'clock and weighing 70 kilos yeah. and then jumping on a scales at friday uh, or sunday at yeah. 12 o'clock and you're up three kilos and you get devastated and you open up a pack of celebrations and eat the whole pack <laughs> yeah you know it doesn't work like that you have to be aware of when you weigh how you weigh and where what's your parameters leading into it and yeah. especially carbohydrate load for every carbohydrate, gram of carbohydrate you store, you store four grams of water. Mm-hmm. So are you weighing yourself post-carbohydrate meal, post a lot of water, whatever phase you are in your cycle? You know, there's just so many different contributing factors to weight. So yeah. don't buy into just putting all your eggs in one basket on weight and getting... Di- it can be very disheartening for people. Absolutely. Um, yeah. The client, if you're on my Instagram, the client, uh, I put up a testimonial last week and she won't mind me talking about her. Um, she's on my Instagram at the moment, so go and look at her. She was one of these clients that I speak about doing the same thing. Heavy, heavy, high intense cardio, no weight training. Yeah. And still obsessed with the weighing scales. One Saturday morning, I met her coming out of the gym. I was starting work at nine o'clock. She was up in the gym for eight o'clock at open. Oh, yeah. And I met her coming out. I was starting at nine, so probably about half eight. I met her coming out of the gym. I said, what are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm the same weight. She was really pissed off. She actually yeah. started to cry in the car park. Yeah. And I was like, look, it's not about the weight. What you're doing is you're trying to change something that has too many contributing factors that you're not being able to control. Yeah. You know, like what was your carbohydrate load last night? Where are you in your cycle? Did you have a bell moving? How much water have you had? Like get your measurements done. Like this girl was glowing. Like you could see her face, her bloating was gone, her hair, her skin, her nails. She finally got her measurements done. 
all measurements down weight has come down because she's resistance training now she loves a, a good blowout on a treadmill yeah. or a spin bike that's fine mm -hmm. but what I've had to do is I've had to go over to her a few times and say oi off that you know <laughs> but she has embraced weight training really really well and is, is loving it now you know brilliant that's fantastic just for anyone who doesn't know my measurements what do you mean what, what are they uh, body composition measurements so you can get literally measurements done with a tape okay to go a bit further you can get them done with a, a calipers or like the likes of a DEXA scan mm -hmm. so I personally do seven site measurements so I do calf thigh glute um, belly button nipple line and then we do bicep tricep so if you think about it you can do them yourself realistically okay. or just get someone to do them as a trainer yeah. and then if you're getting to that leaner stage we will do um, uh, pinch points with a calipers mm -hmm. to measure body fat but simple measurements done with a tape that you or your partner could do for you but make sure you're consistent with them like so nipple line belly button line you can't really go wrong with them mm -hmm. furthest protruding point on your glute halfway between shoulder to elbow halfway between hip to knee halfway between knee to ankle and then you go okay this is changing this is changing this is changing and you can see the success based on actual numbers yeah. rather than utilising a scale that can be off for as many reasons as we've continued to speak about mm -hmm. One of my missions nearly with the podcast is to find this answer and uh, I, don't I don't know if you have an answer for me, but it's interesting when you work with, with individual athletes and they're very successful athletes or or business people or anything, what do you see as the common traits between very successful people that even outside of, of fitness or when they take on your advice and they come back and they retest and it, they see an improvement, what do you see as some of the common or universal traits there? You said it in your question, taking on board what you say. Okay. Be willing to change, be open to change. Mm -hmm. um, I'm always open to advice in any aspect of performance, in any aspect of what I do. Always be willing to, to grow. Don't be a closed book. You know, so take on advice from people that are specialists within their field mm -hmm. and be willing to give it a go. Don't be so dog determined to turn it down and keep training the way you know or the way you think it's right. What makes successful people or what makes successful athletes is people that are willing to listen to advice from the people that know. Mm -hmm. brilliant simple but it's to simple the point but simple but not done yeah yeah that's the thing uh, out of interest if there's anyone listening that it's coming up to Christmas fitness wearables um, what would you recommend I know there, there's there's such a uh, variety and everything is different and they're not maybe as accurate as, as the VO2 but what would you recommend buy a voucher off Hell Matters <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah um, look wearables are one thing um, I would take them with a pinch of salt in terms okay. of predict like I've again people argue with me in my office that their Garmin watch has told them that they got a 62 VO2 max when yeah. they got a 53 like the watch isn't connected to your lungs yeah. you know this concept but um, they're great to use if you are using a heart rate monitor as an example I would mm. strongly recommend you get a strap Okay. That goes so the most watches will come with with a strap. Yeah. So the strap will go to your chest. Yeah. And then that will go to your watch. The ones that will sit on your your wrist or your arm, they can be very inaccurate. Okay. And again, don't be led and don't be thinking that these are actual fact in what they try and say to you. Mm -hmm. They're just guides. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, out of interest, plans for the future. What do you hope to do over the next say twelve months, twenty four months? Twelve months. I was like, how how, how big <laughs> is this future? Um. I just want to grow the company um, so last year I took on another girl Alana's working for me part time she's completing her masters at the moment in, in sports nutrition Keelan has taken a temporary leave as well so he'll be back in, in March with me Alana will be back in January and I just want to grow the company so I physically test too much to grow the company Okay. Um, at the moment like December is completely full January is nearly full it's the most advanced we've been in bookings ever wow. um, it's the best year I've ever had in terms of the company, even though I was closed for three months. Wow. So the aim is to get back to the corporate world as well. So 2019, mm -hmm. I did 47 corporates. I've done one since. So where do I want to go? I want to keep growing. I want to get more units. I want to help more people get better because the area is is very much so open for the direction of people getting the right information. There's mm -hmm. too much wrong information out there. The area of health and wellness is only growing. So where do I want to go? I just want to keep growing the company. It's growing mm -hmm. at a rate that, that I am quite happy with it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the last two years have been very, very challenging. It's stumped the growth, so to speak, in mm -hmm. regards to where I wanted to go with it. Yeah. But I want to I want to keep going. I personally will never stop testing, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't mind taking a couple of days back to be able to chase a bit more work because currently I'm not necessarily not chasing work, but having yeah. the time to look after the more administration side of things and promote the company a bit more would be where I'd like to go and then mm -hmm. 
Keelan and Alana are, are absolutely fantastic. And a criticism of me was that it took too long to get staff in. Okay. But for me, to get the right staff to put across my message and how I want it delivered took me the best part of 10 years. Yeah. But um, I found two gems at the moment. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them grow in the company as well, you know. Brilliant. I actually meant to ask, um, since COVID, have you noticed a difference in people's uh, attitudes towards health? Yes and no. Okay. Um, it's interesting. VO2 is closely related to um, the higher the VO2, less illness, the higher the VO2, the longer the life. Yeah. So like we know high VO2 is associated with good health. People are a bit more aware of health, I do think. But again, a lot of it, I believe, is a lot of underlying issues as well. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at how closely related is obesity or overweight is in terms of the growth or the of COVID, a lot of facts and studies coming out about mm-hmm. where the um, disease or the uh, infection actually stays. Obviously, lungs is number one, but second is your fat tissue. Mm-hmm. So there is people a lot more conscious of their weight and health in regards to that. I haven't had a lot of people directly say to me because of COVID, this is the reason. Okay. But you can see we're, we're busier than ever. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. is it cause of it? Maybe, you know, but... It gave people a lot of time to think. People did put on weight over COVID as well or mm-hmm. over these lockdowns. So yeah. Yeah, it's probably made people a bit more aware. Mm-hmm. It should. Yeah, definitely. I, we were talking before we hit record, but you were saying that you've had one client come in that tested pre-COVID and post-COVID and w- there were changes there. I've had a good few people come in and speak to me about um, they feel that they're out of breath a lot easier. They're, um, there's something wrong with their lungs. So within a VO2 test, we will look at a full lung check in regards yeah. to lung function, oxygen usage. So is the alveoli, which is the gas exchange area of where it happens in your lungs, is it affected? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, because I haven't tested these people before, I don't know. I can just yeah. see what their values are like first time. And a lot of times it's okay. Mm-hmm. Mick Kyo, who I do a lot of work with of KyoFit, he came into me, he had COVID and he felt that he was fatigued. He was always kind of not being able to recover as well as he should. Now, what happened, Mick, was previously, t- Mick's tested with me loads of times. His threshold, I think, was 165. That's when he went from an aerobic to an anaerobic state. Okay. So he was then still going out and doing his longer stuff in them 160s. But what actually had happened was that his threshold had reduced. Okay. Because of the quantity of his training had gone, his aerobic base had reduced. Mm-hmm. So now we just remeasured him got new parameters from going forward and now he'll be able to manipulate accordingly and he won't be he won't be as fatiguing mm-hmm. as much mm-hmm. over lockdown you did a couple of instagram lives a couple as in you did a good few <laughs> 40 uh, i think yeah uh, what did you learn from th- was there any particular nuggets of information that you said oh this is brilliant i didn't know this that is on the spot question right now <laughs> yeah, you'd have to go back and look at them all yeah look some of the guests we had were, were class you know it was something that i really really enjoyed reading 40 of them yeah. that six for 36 is something that amy spoke to me about on that just a, as an example but we'd we too many good people like i spoke to so many brilliant people over that over the lockdown every thursday evening seven o'clock we, we did an instagram live you know so yeah it was um i actually listened back to them the odd time as well so it's um the the nugget of information, you caught me off guard. So I'll go with Amy's one, the six for 36. Brilliant. Would you ever do a podcast? <laughs> what do you uh, think? There's somebody that's trying to push me to do one, <laughs> not naming names, but um, you, you create time for me to do a podcast <laughs> and I'll do it. Great point, yeah. Uh, and towards the future, you're looking at kind of uh, moving out in terms of uh, bringing on sponsored athletes, is it? Yeah, so it's something that um, I'm venturing into. Over the years, we've done sponsored athletes mainly in the likes of the MMA world okay. but I want to get into a lot more athletes so today we have Philly McMahon in Dublin footballer mm-hmm. and we're going to be working with Philly over the next 12 months to bring his f- profile on so we're going to aim to do four tests a year okay. so metabolic and VO2 so metabolic will be able to manage his weight forever what his goals may be at whatever stage of the season is mm-hmm. but also manage his energy in order for performance like Philly is an active man he mm-hmm. is running a very successful gym as well he's very hands on have a high demand on him and his training load so we need to get his energy requirement right mm-hmm. but then we need to make specifically sure that he's training based on our parameters in order to stimulate what we spoke about in in vo2 performance so philly's our first yeah, ga p- player coming on board okay. over the years we've worked with various different athletes but i aim to grow 
this whole concept of sponsored athletes in various different sports okay. in order to show what we can do. Mm-hmm. Like traditionally, VO2 testing would have been endurance module based, but like I've probably 15 MMA athletes working under me. So we do right. all their conditioning. We coincide or we link in with their um, nutritionist to help with their weight cuts with the metabolic testing. And again, if we go down the route of looking at endurance athletes, I've triathletes, I've cyclists in plans, like we've meetings coming up over the next six weeks mm-hmm. where I should be able to have at least... 10 to 12 athletes on our books as sponsored athletes Brilliant. where we're going to provide the information in order for them to achieve things they never thought was achievable mm-hmm. based on our numbers. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So I'm going to move on to sideline seven. It's the same seven questions at the end of every episode. At question one, what is your favourite quote? <laughs> I'll have to come back on that <laughs> one. <laughs> well, let's, let's go on. Let's get measured. Let's get managed. Brilliant. Uh, question two, best sporting event you've been to? Uh, I've been to a few. Luckily enough, I've... Uh, seen some unbelievable events uh ufc dublin okay 2015 Very mcgregor Seaver was unbelievable yeah uh, i went to see the la lakers in oh yeah america when i was over there which was pretty spectacular it's like a show I've, isn't it yeah um ireland against cyprus over in cyprus oh wow uh thirty thousand irish traveling fans <laughs> it was um, a spectacle <laughs> let's put it that way brilliant is there any particular event you'd like to go to anything on the bucket list um no, no, you're just no. yeah. I'm happy and content. Uh, I'm a go. I'm a massive Aston Villa fan, okay. so I, I travel over to uh, Birmingham regularly enough. Very and good. this year, I said I want to go to a couple of away games. Okay, I've never been to an away game. Okay, interesting. So uh, football, uh, soccer would be my my sport. Brilliant. Uh, question three: the biggest setback or challenge so far in your career, and how did you react to it? I think COVID's been the biggest setback for me. Okay. Um, how did I react to it? Is just do what I can, yeah. you know, and again, you can only control the controllables and mm-hmm. I can only control what's put in front of me and manage accordingly. Mm-hmm. There's no point in worrying or getting stressed about it. So with the COVID situation, I just had to adapt and grow and, and push ahead. I think, honestly, that was my biggest setback. Mm-hmm. Like I've had very, very minor setbacks in work in regards to machines getting held up in customs and yeah. again, controlling the controllables. And it's something that I think I learned many, many years ago reading the Chim Paradox book kind of changed me overnight nearly okay. in regards to, I know I've said it loads of times now, but them control controlling the controllables, it's all you can do. If it's, yeah. if it's out of your control, there is nothing you can do yeah. except deal with what's in front of you. So mm-hmm. I think COVID has been the biggest challenge and we've done it quite well. Now I'm not so confident that we're not going to be put back in another lockdown. Hopefully we won't. But again, if I am, I can only, like I went online for a lot of my nutrition stuff. Okay. When COVID was put in front of me, I couldn't do testing. Okay. So yeah, I think COVID's been the, the big one for me. Mm-hmm. What's been your biggest achievement then? <laughs> uh, getting my son to six years of age. <laughs> That's what uh, you're saying. Uh, yeah, my son <laughs> turned six last week. So um, that now look, um, biggest achievement, I suppose, being self-employed for 11 years. Yeah. You know, I think it's, a, I don't ever think about it, but when you think about it, it's a, it's a pretty good achievement considering I set the company up in the middle of the recession. Yeah. But look, managing a young family and being happy and healthy mm-hmm. and still being able to do it, go to work every day happy, I think that's an achievement. Mm-hmm. Looking back, what advice would you give your 18-year-old self? Belief. Okay. Believe yourself. Um, trust your instinct. Don't go with the crowd. If you believe something's right and you feel you you want to go for it, go for it. It's something I never follow the crowd in in any aspect of my life from okay. a very very young age, and I think I've gone gone with it even from a business perspective. But I think belief and confidence is something that's massive, yeah. and something that I one of the things I have to instill in my kids is confidence. So okay, interesting. Uh, who would be your dream dinner guest and why? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've no idea on this one and I'm not going to be able to get a, get an answer on it I, I, I thought about it and I was like who will be my dream look I don't um, someone recently asked me and I don't know if this is a bit off topic do I ever get starstruck oh, right, yeah. with athletes because I work with like yeah. a, profes- a lot of professional athletes and things like that but not really like I'm not in okay. awe of Anyone, yeah. of anyone you know and like if I was probably to think about it, it would be probably just a general normal Joe Soap that has a very very interesting life okay rather than someone that I think is is rich and famous you know like it's not necessarily that attractive to me someone that just has like in my line of work as well it's amazing some of the characters you meet over the years and yeah. like sometimes I go over consultation times because I'm talking to someone about their job yeah you know and I'm like I just get so into what what they do so yeah. unfortunately I don't have a direct answer that's apologies that's no problem last question before I let you go if your life was a book what chapter would this be called growth brilliant so um yeah growth the company's going to grow hopefully and um 
just keep growing at the weight that I wanted to. Obviously, the setback that has come in, but it's put us back to where I wanted to be. But mm-hmm. we're, we're back on track. Mm-hmm. We're back on the road. And, and hopefully I can keep growing the company to be successful mm-hmm. for another 10, 11 years. Exactly. If there's anyone listening that wants to get in touch, uh, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so I'm very strong. I'm trying to be a lot more active on Instagram at the moment. So okay. uh, at Health Matters IRE is our Instagram handle. It's the easiest way to get me. We're on Facebook, on Twitter as well, but Instagram's the best one. Uh, the website is myhealthmatters.ie. Or if you and then again, if you want to reach out to me through the website or my number's on it, but Instagram's the best one at Health Matters IRE. Brilliant, Sean. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your no time. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Sean for joining me on the podcast today. I thoroughly enjoyed our chat. If you haven't seen the takeover yet, do yourself a favour and head over to our Instagram page to take a look. You will be blown away by the level of detail Sean goes into during our consultation. I will be sure to leave further podcast episodes with Sean in the description box below where Sean goes deep into detail of the topics we discuss in our chat. Thank you for listening and I'll catch you in the next one.